0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
2: You read a lot of single women's memoirs and they're wonderful. They're all about dating. They're all about, you know, the hilarious things that have happened to them. But so often, even though it's about how fun it was to be single, they still end with the happy ending. And eventually I found my person. I don't have that. I thought about it. I thought, well, Actually, that's not the way my life has worked. My life is not the story of me finding one particular friend or finding one particular lesson. My life to date is a lot of mini stories about a lot of different kinds of relationships. You have to learn to be yourself on this long voyage of life when you cannot guarantee that the people you're traveling with are going to be with you all the way through. The one thing that is constant in your life is you. It's not other people. You're
1: listening to the Alonement podcast, hosted by me, Francesca Spector, author of Alonement, How to Be Alone, and Absolutely Own It. Each week, I interview an inspiring new guest about the time they spend alone and why it matters to them ultimately, at the heart of every episode, is one central question. What turns solitude into a positive, fulfilling experience? Because when alone time isn't lonely, it's alonement. Hey guys, my guest this week is author and journalist Emma John. Emma's latest book, Self-Contained, is a memoir which chronicles what it's like to enter your 40s without having been in a serious romantic relationship. Self-Contained chronicles the highs and lows of the single life, which many people listening to this who are single will really appreciate. However, the interesting thing is it has universal resonance for everyone, regardless of their relationship status. It asks the question of what makes a rich, fulfilled life? outside of dating and relationships, and that's something that we can all learn from. Emma's sheer passion for everything from playing the bluegrass fiddle, yes, you'll learn about that in this episode, to her investment in relationships of all sorts, family, friendship, and even complete strangers, is absolutely inspiring. We also, surprise, surprise, talk about the joy of doing things alone, Emma is a huge fan of solo travel which actually gets her to meet huge communities of people from around the world. I really enjoyed speaking to Emma and I'm sure you're going to enjoy listening.
2: I know that Alone doesn't need to be a negative word. And certainly for me, being single has never felt like a negative thing. However, when you ask me that and I think about the word alone, my brain immediately goes to thinking, well, that means that you don't have a support network. That's that's what I think of when I think of alone. I think, oh, that would be being without friends, being without family, being without a wider community that's that's kind of what being alone to me means and 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 obviously that that is something that is certainly a negative interpretation of the word and one that one that I think you know comes with a certain amount of sadness I suppose in my head and makes me feel very grateful that I've never really felt like that and that's interesting because I know from you know I know from writing
1: alonement I know from talking about being alone a lot that when you say alone to a lot of people, they hear single, they conflate the two
2: ideas. How do you feel differently about that? Well, yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. One of the reasons that I came to write self-contained and and came to write about being single which is to be honest something I would never have considered writing about because you know I think like a lot of people it came with a certain stigma it was like it's fine to be single but it's it's kind of embarrassing to talk about Um, you know hence all those awkward small talk conversations when you when you're at a party and one of the you know second things people ask you after what do you do is oh and are you married or are you are you, you know is your partner here are, are you are you dating anyone and there's always that you know it just feels horrendously awkward when you when you have to say no but you know I'm okay and and then they kind of want to like make you feel okay and everybody's just trying to make each other feel okay about about singleness um but yeah I mean in a way that's kind of why I ended up writing what I wrote because I felt like my experience of being single um which was a very happy one um, not one that, not one that presupposed that I would never find somebody. By the way, not one that is like you know a kind of militant singleness. I'm not somebody who's saying I, I never want to be with anybody, uh, you know, or I, I'm out of relationships or whatever. No, I, I totally believe in romance. Uh, would very much like it to happen to me, um, but the truth is, I'm 42 and it hasn't happened you know i've dated people um the the great the great romance the great love of my life has has not come along you know not for want of trying um but it hasn't been it hasn't made me feel any less, it hasn't made me feel particularly unhappy, even in my 30s, which is supposed to be the decade, you know, that's the, the classic, the panic years, you know, that's supposed to be the decade when, uh, you know, women don't enjoy being single, because they're really keen to set, settle down. Um, And, you know, our biological clock is, you know, starting to do its countdown or whatever. I actually was always Really enjoyed my life, you know. Really was very content with singleness, Um, and it was only as I approached forty, well, turned forty, and when my sister actually uh, got pregnant, my younger sister got pregnant, and I, I started to look at life and thought, well. Actually, I'm doing life very differently to other people. It, it never really occurred to me, honestly. I sort of say in the book, I'd always thought of myself as pre-married, so therefore I'd never massively thought of myself as some kind of like wild hedonistic Carrie Bradshaw type, or you know, I I I didn't really identify with many of those kind of single figures in pop culture. um, I just, you know, I just thought, well, the thing that happens to everyone else will happen to me. And it's only been the last two or three years, when I've really had to, in the same way that, you know, everybody at some stage has to face their mortality. I have, for the first time, really thought, well, what if it doesn't happen? You know, what what if what if, you know, internet dating, you know, cannot deliver um my soulmate? What if uh, you know, my very outgoing lifestyle just doesn't bring me into the realm of the person, you know, who's gonna who's gonna make me happy? Um what what does that mean, living out, you know, an entire life alone, as you know, as we'd say? Um, and I think for me, it it the soul searching basically involved looking back at at the four decades that I've already lived, and saying, in a sense, well, hold on, I've never been alone because i've got a very i'm very close to my family. I've got a best friend in my sister. I've got a close group of female friends. I've got a lot of male friends which a lot of, you know, women don't have um when they get to my age because you know, it's just sort of they tend to have these groups of girlfriends more than guy friends. Um I've I've got this incredibly rich life of relationships. Um and maybe that's why I've never really worried about being alone with hmm. that capital A.
1: I think that narrative is really important because, again, you know, when people ask those questions at parties and, you know, I get this as well. I was at a wedding over the weekend and it doesn't mean to be the case, but I think that maybe there's, a, there's an ease. There's a sort of almost like a laziness that we all were all guilty of it. You know, it's, it's what do you do? Are you single or are you dating? What's your relationship status? And I know that, you know, in the blurb of your book, that's something you talk about being in those scenarios at parties where you both want to make that person feel comfortable. It's not even just about being on the defense. It's about that sort of strange social friction that no one asked for. And actually, I don't think either party really wants. It's just what we fall into.
2: No, and small talk is just, small talk is just trying to find something, you know, common ground. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, common ground is, You know, well, what's an experience that almost everybody has in their life? Well, almost everybody at some stage has a partner. Um, So it's kind of, you know, it's sort of fair enough, but it is. I do find it amusing that essentially you're taking one of the subjects that is absolutely, you know, potentially one of one of the most sensitive subjects to somebody <laughs> and asking and asking them about it when you barely know them that 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 always makes me laugh um you know it's the same with sort of asking about children we know that you know there are lots of people for whom um Not having children is um, a great sorrow or there are some people for whom um, living child free is a, you know, is is a very much a part of their identity. But again, it's because it's just a very kind of common part of life. Um, You know, it's it is. I think you're right. I think it's a certain I don't know whether it's laziness, it's just convention that we talk about these things. And what happens is that it's normally the single person who kind of then has to do all the paddling, you know, the swan furiously paddling underwater to make the other person feel like they haven't put their foot in it.
1: It would be nice to think that a person on the other side was thinking, how could I make this connection better? How could I not be in this sort of faux pas-esque scenario? But I suppose if it turns out differently and if the person says, oh yes, well, you know, I do have a husband, then that, that becomes a force for bonding. And maybe it's, you know, maybe it's because I don't know, I suppose when you get into your thirties and forties, more people are in couples than they're not. It's, it's almost like the line of best fit more times than not, actually it will be a forceful connection that's rather exactly, than separation.
2: That's exactly it. I mean, one of the, uh, one of the kind of things that you also hear, and this is often, you know, sometimes you hear it from strangers. Sometimes you hear it from new friends, um, who are surprised to discover that you're single, you know, people who you've, you've had a really good connection with, you have had a great conversation with, and then they find out you're single and they say, um, Oh, but you're so great. How can you still be single? And, um, my, my friend Tessa just uh, absolutely nailed this, um, when she talked to me about it and she said that, without with it's again it's it's just social conditioning but without realizing it that is imposing a social hierarchy because it's it's adding value um it's putting a certain value on people according to whether they are single or not it's basically saying you, you you're so great you should be at this on this run you should have you should have a partner um but you're actually down on this run um and she she said she always wanted to kind of uh, see what would happen if if she said to somebody, "Oh, you're married, but you're so great. Why do you feel you need a husband? You know that kind of thing." Um, which which then does you know put that whole that whole attitude into perspective. It does, yeah. And and no one, yeah, no one wants to be
1: aggressive about this, but actually, it really I think when you when you when you put those hypothetical situations there, then you know the context does show how yeah, how strangely rude we are without meaning to be.
2: Exactly. And I mean, I do think, I definitely think people are getting far more, um, I, I, think, I think there has been such a change in the way we view all kinds of relationships as well as no relationship. Um, and, y- you know, we are living in a time where people are much, much more sensitive and much, much kinder and more careful a- a- about, the assumptions they make and I'm really grateful for that um I I just think what happens is um that for those of us who are single and who have who have grown up with all these um with all these societal norms um we internalize those norms and we internalize those attitudes and we actually you know on the face of it i would say i'm an incredibly confident person and i i you know i'm very extroverted i love um you know my life of being a journalist and being an author and me- traveling and meeting lots of people and having a really good time and and uh, going all around the world doing all sorts of different things i've i've always loved all of that um but i think even even the most uh you know so outwardly content um outgoing confident person does we do internalize what what we've grown up with you know from from the moment that we we listen to fairy tales and the fairy tale ends with the you know the princess getting prince charming um or cinderella getting prince charming or whatever it is uh and so when it doesn't happen to you you feel that it's a failure it's a failure to find somebody it's not it's not just you living out the course of your life it's a failure and you think well what could i've done differently what have i done wrong what is wrong with me um that's 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 not the situation you're in you're you're living a life of really actually it should be celebrated because you're living a life of real integrity you're being incredibly true to yourself you're not you're not kind of grasping at you know a relationship that's not quite right for you (laughs) um you're not trying to um change yourself um to fit in with society or to fit in with you know a guy who's you know makes you makes you sort of happy but um is not you're not really in love with or whatever it is I've never really thought of being as single as a choice for me I've thought I've always thought it's just Being alone is just is what's happened because I haven't found the right person. You see, there's that phrase. I I haven't done it. I haven't found that person as if I'm supposed to be going out and looking all the time. I always think of I've never thought of my singleness as a choice. But what is a choice is that I am choosing not to make mistakes, I suppose. I'm choosing not to uh, not to do something that would be less than what i want i'm choosing i'm choosing not to settle for less i suppose i'm choosing not uh uh to to get into a relationship that isn't quite right for me um uh, and in that sense i am choose i am choosing every day i'm choosing to just be honest to myself yes
1: so it's not choosing to be alone but it's choosing to be honest it's choosing to be integral to
2: yourself i think so And, you know, again, I've only really grappled with these things the last couple of years. Um, So I'm still I'm still working out what I think about all that. So
1: I'm really interested in the idea of using language, creating new language in order to navigate these scenarios, because I think that perhaps the language that even our parents used, they didn't really have the terminology to navigate the idea of being single and happy. And I think that actually by creating it, we can really help to progress people's ideas. And you know, that's why I'm so interested in the phrase self-contained. How would you say that self-contained is different from words like single
2: or alone? Well, it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing about that word is that uh, it, the, the title of the book partly came it definitely, you know, came out of the kind of resonance of I had discovered, really, that I was through writing the book through 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 really kind of thinking about the stories from my life, discovering that well, I've I've got used to um, living life alone and and doing it in a very full way. I suppose that 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 to me is what being self-contained meant. I mean, it, the book does open with. Um, Uh, a scene in which I'm, you know, trying to do DIY in my flat. Uh, And it's the classic, I think it is one of the worst things about being single, especially being single, you know, out of your 20s, once you're into your 30s and your 40s, doing DIY is literally the worst thing. um, Because, uh, you know, especially once you reach your 30s, like your friends aren't particularly, you know, there used to be a time in your 20s when you were all just like starting to live in your first place and you'd have a painting party and you'd manage to get loads of people around and you'd you'd all like have a few beers and you know uh, throw a bunch of paint on the wall and it was very celebratory well by the time you get to your 30s and you know your friends are married and and have their own Family hassles and they 've got their own di ongoing diy projects to do if you 're single, there is really often no one to help you <laughs> and um and it can be it can feel so overwhelming i mean you know in this case, I did the classic thing of i I went out and um, I had to go to the shops three times because every time I came back thinking I'd bought the materials I needed, I found one thing that I'd totally forgotten about and had to go back. Yeah, I ended up not starting painting this room until it was nearly evening. Um, I mean, I really should have quit while I was behind, but I didn't. Uh, And I ended up, you know, I was still going when when the moon was high in the sky and uh, I was really depressed about it. (laughs) I thought this DIY project was never going to end, that the room was just going to be in a state of chaos, probably until the day I died. Um, Now, that is a good example of where I uh, you know being single was a little bit overwhelming for me and I was I was not self-contained I was very lucky that you know I had a uh I had a friend who who really proved herself in that moment by when she heard when when she heard me saying I can't come out for a drink one night because basically I'm in DIY hell and it's never gonna end she literally came over the next day uh with uh paintbrushes that were way better than mine a real can-do attitude and a, and a stick of french bread for us to have for lunch so you know she really she really that just cemented a friendship that is now you know over a decade long that that one that one incident and um but what I mean so yeah so what I mean by self-contained is learning to cope with all these things that life throws up which are actually quite hard often to do on your own but but actually learning you can do them on your own learning that you are enough as a person on your own, you um, uh, you are actually capable of a lot more than you think you are. Um, and f- for me, um, I, you know, like I said, that the idea of calling itself contained slightly came out of the fact that when I was trying to think of what is the story of this book you know I wanted to write about this topic but I thought what is the story of my life what is the story of this book I was trying to write a narrative arc and I discovered that when you try to write a narrative arc it's very difficult as a single woman because it's always supposed to end in you meeting someone you know you read a lot of single women's memoirs and they're wonderful they're all about dating they're all about um, you know the hilarious things that have happened to them but so often, even though it's about, you know, how 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 fun it was to be single, they still end with the, the happy ending that, you know, and eventually I found my person. I don't have that. Um, and I also wasn't exactly sure, like, well, I wasn't exactly sure what have I learned from all this. So I was like, well, what is my narrative arc? I thought about it. I thought, well, actually, that's not the way my life has worked. My life is not the story of me finding one particular friend or finding uh, one particular lesson. My life to date is a lot of mini stories um, about a lot of different kinds of relationships and a a lot of different kinds of friendships or a lot of different kinds of lessons from work or whatever. So the reason I called it self-contained was because each chapter really is a self-contained little story involving, you know, a particular friend, as we all know, you know, you're very lucky if you have, you know, the one great romance or the one defining friendship of your life. You know, if you're a broad city girl, who's got that one best friend who's with you through thick and thin, but that's not been my experience. And I actually think that's a lot the same for a lot of people. You have friends who come and go in your life. I've, I've got friends who, who were great school friends and now live on the other side of the world. Um, But when they come home, you know, we can pick up exactly where we left off. But there might be there might be great gaps of several years where we don't see each other and where there are other people who are much more important and significant and present in my life. And that has happened to me a lot as a a single person, uh, especially with friends, um, especially with female friends who uh, find their own partner um, and often move away you know, to go and have the family, to, to go and live somewhere else near their partner's family or near their own, um, you know, their own maternal family or whatever it is. So for, for me as a single person, my experience has been that of having a lot of different kinds of friendships that have lasted for a certain amount of time and that have existed at, in a certain context, be it work or uh, a hobby or a family environment, whatever it is, um and they've existed for a time and for a reason. And then often they have, they have come to a natural end. So that's, that's another element of, of sort of being self-contained is that you have to learn to be yourself on this long voyage of life when you cannot guarantee that the people you're traveling with are going to be with you all the way through. The one thing that is constant in your life is you. It's not other people.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's. I mean, it resonates. I think with the idea of alonement in that you need to celebrate being alone because we are all fundamentally alone. To me, it implies a source of enoughness, and that that's. I don't know. Do you think you can be self-contained within a relationship, or do you think it does? You know, it is a single concept
2: it's I mean it's very difficult for me to know as somebody who you know I've I've had I had one serious relationship that I would say never quite reached it was it went on for 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 a few years but it never quite reached the stage where I would have described the other person as my partner you know they were still they were still very much boyfriend um you know and you know it was, there was always a question of oh will we get engaged one day will we be you know is is this the one great Relationship of my life, and it turned out it wasn't. So having 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 had that experience, I I feel like I'm not massively qualified um, to speak about what it what what it's like to be in a very long term relationship with somebody because that you know because that's just not been what's happened to me. Certainly, I would say my experience of being in that one relationship that went on for several years was that one of the reasons one of the reasons it did end was because I felt like I wasn't enough myself I wasn't being I I wasn't able to be fully myself and fully happy uh with that other person that that much so I loved and admired and wanted you know you know, would have loved to have, have been in a relationship with a loving relationship with that person. If I was properly in love with them, uh, I, I didn't, it just didn't click to that, to that extent. And that was the kind of, that was the kind of friction for me was that I was, I guess I was, I was very much feeling like I was self-contained. I wasn't able to kind of open the door to be part of a total, you know, this is, this is a, Homogeneous, you know two people in one in one entity um so I yeah so I, I think that I even find it with friendships you know like I have been so keen so often in my life I I sort of I've often I've said to one of to some some of my friends before I think that instead of ever being in love with one person I've always been a little bit in love with all my friends Um, I feel very, very, very strongly. I've had some very intense friendships. I feel very strongly about many of my friends. I feel very, you know, very strongly with my sister, about my sister. Um, I I can feel huge wells, deep wells of love for these people. Um, And I have no idea often um, if anyone's ever feels the same back about me um and that's a that's a funny old position to be in you know i have i you know i do have i've got good girlfriends who are who are who are very emotionally intelligent and who are very expressive and you know they will say, they will tell me they love me and um that is very meaningful for me and you know i think vital for all of us to hear that we're loved isn't it um But I definitely think, especially when you're a big old extrovert and you love making friends and you make friends a lot very quickly with a lot of people, um, you have to feel like you're enough because you don't know, uh, you can't guarantee that your new friend (laughs) uh, feels as strongly as about you as you do about them and I've and I've definitely been a bit heartbroken in friendships before I mean I'm not you know that I think that's the right word for it I've I've been disappointed and let down and heartbroken in friendships where I've um gone all in uh and then felt like oh you know to, to other people and I think this is really true for people who are in couples that to other people, friendship means something slightly different than it does to a single person. Because for a single person, it really means intimacy. Like, that's what you're looking for. You don't have a, a another half with whom you can be um, completely intimate, you know, completely connect, all that stuff. So, you, you know, you need that from your friendships. and And not everybody is looking for the same thing from their friendships. How did that feed
1: in when you were then in a relationship for a few years? How did that feed in that having those intimate friendships already?
2: Well, I mean, I I I enjoyed the the what was different about having a boyfriend for me. Like, I you know, I I enjoyed. I enjoyed, um, I certainly like, especially the first, you know, year or two, like I had all the being in love feelings. So I, you know, I I enjoyed those and I made the most, I did the, the thing that all couples do where they, you know, like when they're first in love and they're like, you know, it's just like, oh, th- this other person is the only thing that exists for me at the moment. Um, I definitely did that a bit, but then as it was getting more towards like, well, is, you know, is this the person, is this going to be the rest of my life um I definitely discovered that for example um even though this person was absolutely brilliant at integrating into my friendships um and I loved uh their friends too um I just there just wasn't um yeah, there wasn't those kind of wasn't building up that sense of family, I guess, around it all, perhaps. Um, and that was me. That was that was definitely that was definitely coming from me, not from them.
1: Yeah. There is that difficulty in friendships sometimes because you never know when you know if someone meets someone romantically, if the dynamic is going to change. Has that created a certain amount of loneliness at any point? being at a different life stage to your friends when the romance kicks in it's
2: interesting I've been thinking about this a lot in lockdown um i be, because I you know I, I live on my own and, and I've got single girlfriends and single guy friends who, who live on their own and so we have been purposefully like keeping up a really strong network uh you know knowing that uh, you know, I've got friends who were literally in their flat on their own for six months um, because they were self-shielding and couldn't go out. And um, so that we we have been very motivated, very driven to make sure that each other are not lonely because that's been the thing we're you know most concerned about for 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 each other. And um, it's interesting when I've talked to them and said, "Hey, how you doing? You know, you know have you been feeling lonely?" A lot of them often say, oh, no, not lonely, um, just a bit down, or not lonely, just bored, or, you know, not lonely, I, I just miss people. And it made me think, well, what is the feeling that we call loneliness then? What is it that we're saying we're not? What is, what is it that we call loneliness? And when I really kind of drilled down into it and tried to remember when are the times that I've felt lonely, um, they have often been times when I'm actually technically with other people but all those other people are in couples um so actually I very rarely felt lonely when I'm on my own because like I say when I'm on my own I feel quite self-contained I'm just you know getting on with my life I'm just being me Uh, but there are those times when you go out for an evening and everybody else has brought their partner and when you leave that place you're all going off in different directions and everyone's going off two by two. These, these are walking down to the tube. They're going to get a bus. And little old me is like, oh, well, I've parked my bike up the road. So I'm just going to, you know, see you later. And I walk to my bike and as I leave them, I think, oh, you know, that's a bit sad, isn't it? Like I'm the only one who's, I'm the only one who's going off on my own. And I think, those are the times when I feel lonely it's almost like a projected feeling from outside it's almost looking at myself and thinking this is a moment where you recognize that you are alone in a way that other people aren't and and that makes me feel a bit sad for myself you know I think a, a lot of the time when I would say I am actually feeling lonely I will often call it feeling sorry for myself yeah to yes. be honest but it's, it's it's funny that so
1: I don't I mean, you've written a book about being single and it's, you know, it's very much, it has a lot of celebration of being single in it. So I'm assuming that's not really your own mindset that being single is a state to be sad about. But it's interesting in those social scenarios, you almost start projecting perhaps, I mean, do you think that that's what everyone else is thinking? Is that what you're projecting onto yourself? That idea that other people feel sorry for you, so you feel
2: sorry yourself in a strange way I think sometimes and I and I think sometimes you just you know you just look at what other people have and that kind of it's the comfort it's the comfort of of um of there being somebody else there um to 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 listen to you um and the the comfort of there being somebody else there to sit with in silence or or whatever it is um I, I think uh those are the the times that I notice it. You know, I I just think we all know that we're not, we're not always one thing. Again, that was like a really big part of writing self-contained was just accepting that you feel different things at different times. And being single is definitely a journey where sometimes it's like, Being single is the best thing in the world because I have all these incredible freedoms. And you think, I hope I never forget how great it feels to be me right now. I hope I never, ever take this for granted that I have this independence, this autonomy, um, that I have so many friends, that I have so many experiences. And and you feel on the crest of a wave And and then there'll be days or weeks or months where you're in a bit of a trough for whatever reason. And those are the times you think, cool, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be lovely? You know, if I could just have somebody uh, to cook for tonight, or if somebody would just for once do my washing for me. Yes.
0: (laughs) No, I think it's
1: true. But I think it's also, it's important to be able to talk about both sides of the coin and feel like that's not delegitimizing the choices you make. Because, I think that, you know, no one, you know, if you hear someone complaining, oh, the baby kept me up all night or "Oh, my partner's being really annoying today. You don't sort of think, oh, well, God, the decision to get married or have kids is clearly a really terrible one. No one should do that. We talk about this sort of strange hierarchy of being in a relationship over being single because that automatically wins. We don't think that it's a problem to talk about the gray area of that experience but I think it's important to be able to talk about both no one has to pretend to be Carrie Bradshaw it can be a full spectrum of emotion I I think that's exactly it well
2: I mean you know pretending to be Carrie Bradshaw is such a good it's that's such a good line because that is I think that is the feeling that I really have often had in my life is that it's okay to be single if if you're having a fabulous life that's what popular culture has has you know that's the message that I've received from popular culture it's absolutely like it's easy to celebrate singleness um, when you're living a, a, a hedonistic lifestyle when you're um you know you're making the most of your freedoms when you know you're you're dating a different guy every day or every week when you're uh, you're able to like you know just throw on your cocktail shoes at five o'clock and go out with a, a group of best pals but you know that is as much of a fiction as as the Jane Austen romance of happily ever after you know that is also you know it's wonderful that it celebrated single women but it also did create um, just another uh, false narrative for them to live up to. <laughs> um, one which I, you know, I've done my best to keep up. I mean, you know, I try to be as fabulous as I can, but I, I am not a 24 seven fabulous person <laughs> and, and, um, it should be okay to be single, uh, and just normal, you know, and it's okay to be, to, to be single and, um, watch Netflix, uh, on your TV, on your own, as many evenings as you like, if that's what makes you happy. Um, it doesn't make you a, a sad um, recluse with nothing better to do. If you enjoy it, do it.
1: Yeah. But you are very good at doing, you talked about so many experiences in the book, for instance, your solo traveling and, you know, going in, going to the theatre alone, going to restaurants alone. And you. it feels like it is, I think perhaps maybe you give, yourself less credit than you deserve for all these things that you're able to do alone because okay it might not be Carrie Bradshaw no one's Carrie Bradshaw but the ability to go out and do things alone that's I don't know to me I suppose that is a celebration of singleness that comes through in the book
2: it's really funny and you know again yeah it's funny isn't it sometimes people say oh you're so brave to do this or you know um uh, uh, you know especially solo travel people often say oh you're so brave to do this or you know "Oh, I'm so impressed you can go to the theater on your own or um or, or go out and eat on your own and uh, and it doesn't bother you like it's like well if it doesn't bother you it, it's not really brave and that that's how I feel it's like it's, it's it doesn't bother me um because take take theater and film as an example I really care about I love the theatre. I mean, I, I used to be a theatre critic. I love the theatre. There is absolutely no way I would miss a show that I wanted to go and see because I couldn't find somebody to go and see it with. Because to me, that's not what the experience of going to the theatre about is I actually would rather be like, you know, to use the word self-contained again, but I would rather, when I watch a film, I don't want people commenting on it and talking to me and distracting me from it. I I i go to those kind of things to be immersed and for me it's an, it's you know it's an experience between me and what's happening on stage or what's happening on screen it's not it's not really about like the experience of like uh, having a G&T at the interval much though so i do love going to things with my friends and having a G&T at the interval on the flip side you mentioned travel travel has absolutely changed who i am learning to travel solo I never used to do it again because I thought you know certainly throughout my 20s gosh who would who would want to be in a different place on their own who who would want to go on holiday on their own that's like that's not what holiday is about holiday is about having fun with people it's about company um making memories sharing new experiences I think you know I think that's all that's all fair those are all fair points so I would never have thought of going on holiday on my own. So this thing happened to me in my early 30s, where I had a month sabbatical from work, I decided that what I wanted to do with that month was I wanted to go to North Carolina and learn to play bluegrass fiddle, which, you know, (laughs) very niche. It's very niche. It's literally the most whimsical thing I've ever done. Um, I was a violin player all the way, already, by the way, I was, you know, a really decent violin player. So it wasn't like I just suddenly decided I wanted to learn the violin. I, I just wanted to learn to play my violin in a bluegrass style. And, you know, where some people would go, okay, I want to learn French, so I'm going to go and live in France and immerse myself for a month. I thought I want to learn bluegrass fiddle, I'm going to go to bluegrass country, which is essentially the Appalachians. Um, so I flew to North Carolina, I'm going to immerse myself for a month. And I didn't. Again, I I didn't particularly think of that as a bold or brave move, which all my friends have since told me it was. It was because there was something I wanted to do. And so in a very single minded way, I just did it because that's how I've learned to live my life. If I want to do something, just do it. And um, and what happened was it turned out, you know, going to the American South on your own best idea ever because the american south is famous for its hospitality it is just a totally different culture uh it's like it's like the anti-london to me because you know i live in i live in north london i'm used to people being quite closed off and you know please don't look me in the eye and please don't talk to me on the tube and the south is you know just everyone wants to like smile at you in the street say howdy if you sit down in a restaurant Every, you know the wait staff the bartenders the people at your next table will want to include you um they they just scoop you up um especially if you're on your own i discovered that actually solo travel was the best thing that ever happened to me because it was a way to really encounter a place that i had never experienced before you you get pulled into people's lives you get pulled into people's families you get pulled into people's um routines and hobbies and uh you know their own t- trips you know they're going somewhere they say hey do you want to come with us and it it just absolutely revolutionized my life because when i learned that i could do that and not only could i do it but it was it, i would have more fun than if i'd gone you know with somebody else yeah I started doing that all the time.
1: It's interesting that you say you're an
2: extrovert.
1: I relate to that because I am too. And I also like meeting strangers. I think that's something that maybe we've lacked over the past 18 months. But what's interesting to me is that your ability to go and do things alone, it's almost like you meet more people than you would. I suppose, I I guess we've all had that thing of being restricted if we're just with one other friends, we don't really speak to anyone on holiday. Whereas your, uh, your alone
2: month, your ability to do these things alone actually broadens your social connections rather than takes away. A hundred percent, you know, and like I said, that was a lesson I only learned uh, for the first time at the age of 32. um, And that was 10 years ago. And since then I, you know, I've, I've discovered that when I go to new places, uh, on my own i it's like a superpower it's it's you you just are able to get close to people so much faster and i've always loved making friends and i've just discovered wow there's this whole new way i can make friends and it's by being brave enough to go to places on my own um so in a way you 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 never do end up on your own i mean it's it's funny calling it solo travel because i don't it's It's almost the opposite
1: how How much does your love of culture as well give you the impulse to be able to do things alone because you describe how you know you love seeing films or seeing shows or you know going even going and playing bluegrass fiddle that was what motivated you to do solo travel something that had scared you before so i don't know I suppose if you were to give someone advice would you say that actually it's about not so much following doing things solo but just following your passion and seeing where that will take you
2: yeah I mean a hundred percent I've got a friend who is very different to me um she's she's the opposite end of the of the extrovert introvert scale um she it's really funny we're so different in so many ways she um She's exactly the exact same age as me. She's single like me, been as been single as long as me. Um, but um, for example, if I used to um, we, we'd arrange to see each other, and um, you know for 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 a night out, and I would unthinkingly invite other people because to me the more the merrier, right? Um, and um, she would get really upset, and I used to not understand why she was upset. You know, I genuinely offend her, and it was because she wanted to spend time with me. She didn't want to spend time with a group of people, uh, whereas, you know, our brains are just so different. We, we, you know, we, uh, it took me a long time to, like, learn, oh, no, I mustn't do that with her because we are we are experiencing the same thing very differently. Um, but at the same time... Uh, so she's quite she's quite quiet and she has quite um, uh quite self what, what I would say are self contained passions. You know she's very artistic. Uh, she's a brilliant artist. She um she's got really into doing pottery recently. Um, uh, which it turns out she's just as good at doing pottery as she was at doing screen printing and um, uh, she was at painting and all these other things. But in following that passion she has she started doing a lot of courses and in doing courses even she was around people who were equally kind of quiet and um uh, sort of dedicated and focused as she was um but that was a way for her to make friends with people you know she was never going to be the kind of like go to a party and talk to everyone in the room kind of make friends kind of person um but because she followed what she enjoyed she found people who she could connect with through that thing and um and it's it's like it's like she's gone on a really similar journey to me but like in the way that she needed to do it like in a in a in a slightly I'd say gentler way because she's a gentler person
1: I think that often the boundaries can get blurred a bit between alone and together because Alone month can sometimes just be about following your passion or listening to your essential aloneness, your desire to go and do pottery, your desire to go and travel so- somewhere particularly. And I don't know, I suppose there's like an alone togetherness that can come out of that, which is really
2: beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I often think that when I'm traveling, if I'm, if I am really like sitting, if, if I'm sitting with my book in a cafe or a restaurant and I can go into a place, sit there and read and, and feel really like joyful that I'm experiencing this new place or that I'm having this wonderful breakfast or whatever it is. And you've got, you've got people sitting at next tables. You've got somebody buzzing behind the counter and you feel really aware of those people. But what I never feel is like, oh, those people are um, looking at me or judging me and saying, well, why is that person on their own? Because they are having their own experience. And, you know, the person behind the counter is doing her job, perhaps alone. Um, uh, And the, the couple sitting at the next table might not even be talking to each other. They might be just quietly, happily shoveling food in their mouths. You know, that everyone is just doing their own thing. Yeah.
1: Um, On a side note, do you often, when you're alone in places, because I always notice this, do you notice that actually a lot of people are on their phones when they're together?
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, My sister said to me once, and I think she got it from Amy Poehler's book, um, which is brilliant, by the way. If you haven't read Yes, go and read Yes, because that is, I found it one of the most helpful Helpful books about how to be an adult, especially in in the kind of creative industry. Mm. Um, but I think it was from Amy Poehler that my sister got this this idea of like you should never ever uh worry about what people are thinking of you. You know, when you're at a party or when you're in this place or that place in public, because the fact is they are all thinking about themselves. Nobody is thinking about you, and I found that so freeing. It is. Um,
1: there's actually something called the spotlight effect. Um, a psychologist called Thomas Gilovich came up with, where actually we sort of I think by a factor of like two times judge how much people are looking at us. So that you know they're 50% less likely to be
2: looking at us than we think, basically. And it just rings true. Yeah. And I definitely think there is, you know, there's there's a fear and there's a fear of being alone or there's a fear there's certainly fear of being lonely I mean I I I would say I encounter fear of being lonely more than I actually encounter loneliness I'm I'm afraid of being lonely in the future I used to be afraid of being lonely in the present but my experience has taught me well that actually rarely happens so that's a silly thing to be afraid of but I still haven't kicked my fear of being lonely in the future you know that 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 old maid syndrome that that feeling of well what's going to happen when dot 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 you know you are a certain age and um you know maybe your friends you know the friends that you have now are all living in different towns or uh maybe um you know you you're retired and so you don't have uh a work set up around you or any of these things you know you and you don't have your own um you don't have your own children will you will you feel lonely then you know um luckily for me i have quite a few older friends um including uh a, a friend from north carolina who's in her 80s um who has been single all her life uh she's actually been engaged two or three times in her life but each time she you know realized this wasn't the right guy for her and and it was you know she lived in a you know she lived 40 years before me she lived in an era when people really did marry after meeting a couple of times you know um and she was just too aware of herself and too independent to want to do that and to want to have the kind of conventional life that a lot of her rural north carolina friends had where you just as a woman you settled down and you had babies and so i've had her you know for the last 10 years i've had her as a as a wonderful role model reminding me you know she is uh she's got lots of friends um, she's got lots of extended family. She has a better social life than me. I mean, no kidding. She had like we we talk to each other most days. Um, uh because since lockdown, uh we've been playing cards together every day uh online, um, because you know, we both wanted to have something that would, you know, give us a bit of a laugh each day and and um uh stop us getting bored. Uh so we do that a lot. And and now that you know lockdown's really lifted in the us she's she's out and about she she goes on road trips she is way busier than me and um it is really helpful for me to have that example in my life and think why are you afraid of being alone in future you know here's this woman who has been single all her life um hasn't had hasn't had many of the advantages that i've had um Uh, lived in a pre-Zoom era you know uh, a pre-internet era um, and she's she's really has a very full life. yeah so yeah um, yeah, so that is that's teaching that is teaching me each day um, to be less afraid of the loneliness
1: well I always think you can't be what you can't see and I think you know a memoir like yours again you know you speak about your life, it's so full, it's so rich with so many relationships, so much travel, so many hobbies, interests and curiosities. And I think it really does give that sense of, you know, okay, you can fear the future. And I think we all fear the future, to a degree, whatever that might be. But you know, here's, here's a model of how, if your life is this way, it can be great and full. Yeah. And okay, that doesn't mean it's perfect. Yeah. But it does also mean that it can be an incredibly fulfilling, wonderful one and one that is very aspirational for those who are looking to have similar things in their life.
2: Oh, and, you know, and it, and, and it's getting past the idea that a single life is a limbo one for sure, because mm. if you again, it's just something we absorb from society is that if you're single, it's because you're waiting. It's your it, you know, this is the period before you find the person that you're going to settle down with it's like well i'm 42 you know i i i i should be set you know if If I want to have a content life, I need to be having it now, not in ten years' time, not in twenty years' time you know i i it, what a waste it would have been if from the age of twenty two to forty two i'd I'd just been like oh well i'm just i'm just waiting i'm I'm waiting to start my life, you know I'm just waiting for the guy um that's going to uh, come and make my life feel full. I would have wasted twenty years um in you know it's it's just reframing that time reframing uh the narrative and saying no no your life is what's happening to you now doesn't matter whether you're single or in a couple or whether you've just got divorced or whether you've been bereaved your life is what's happening to you now and it and it might be you might be in a happy moment you might actually be in a very sad moment but you're still living your life it's it's what's happening to you, and uh, and for me, again, as an extrovert who, and I think, having read your book, I think you and I might be a bit similar like this. I think we might, uh, and for for extreme extroverts, we do tend to do this. You tend to kind of hide your pain uh, with activity and fun and distraction, and that is definitely something that is, uh, you know, is the thing I have to be wary of in my life. Is that it's very easy for me. To not engage with pain, to not engage with sad feelings, because I can um, I can just pretend they're not there by going off and doing the next thing. Let's go to let's go to North Carolina. Let's go to Latvia and, and meet people in a bar. Let's uh, go to the theater. Let's go immerse myself in in a film. Um. What I'm really lucky with, and this has really developed in the last few years, is a group of very emotionally intelligent friends, most of them female, but two of them male, who hold me to account and who have really taught me that, do you know what? You have to be sad sometimes. You just have to. You have to feel the sad feelings. I'm just like, I don't, why would I want to waste time on sad feelings? I do not want to be sad. What a waste of my time. And they have really taught me that you can't avoid them forever and you're not helping yourself by not feeling them. And that that they are, again, they are your life. If you're feeling sad, it's a legitimate part of life and you don't have to um, reject it. You don't have to pretend it's not happening. Um, You don't have to feel bad about yourself because um, you're feeling down. You can actually just acknowledge it share it be honest with other people about it be honest with yourself about it and i think that has been for me as a single person that has been the hardest thing to do because not having somebody who is there when you go to bed and you feel sad not having somebody who sees you crying for example who who spots you like coming out of the bathroom red-eyed and says what's up not having that person means that you as a person can quite easily avoid accountability (laughs) for not for, for not admitting to it you know you can just be like well I'm not I'm not really feeling this this isn't really happening to me because nobody is like holding the mirror up to yourself and saying dude like just take a pause and if we need to sit down and you need to talk this out and have a massive ugly cry we can do that um and I'm really lucky that I've got these amazing friends and quite a few of them I write about in the book that that have really forced me to do that. They've uh,
1: given you that, yeah. And it's it, it's amazing because it's saying, you know, that support network doesn't have to come from a romantic partner. That can come from a series of friends. And I'm sure in some ways you're better equipped because you have, you know, rather than, you know, perhaps, an, an, you know, a, a less emotionally intelligent partner you have a group of emotionally intelligent friends who can all be there and probably, you know, give you different, different things, different people yeah. give you different things. And it takes the emphasis off that individual. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Emma, I have gained so much from this conversation. And I think that I and so many people listening to this will be so inspired by your book as well. So I definitely recommend that everyone goes away and, and buys
2: self-contained thanks so much i mean it's just yeah absolute joy to talk about all this stuff and um to be able to find a space to be open about it
1: hey guys i really hope you're enjoying the show while this particular episode may have come to an end the conversation is just beginning head over to alonement.com to hear more about alonement and sign up to our free monthly newsletter you can also follow us on Instagram at alonementofficial. Oh, and remember that sharing is caring. So, if you got something from this episode, why not share with a friend who you think might benefit from listening?
0: Hold up.